0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And what's up? Welcome in a Thursday morning episode of GC Live post signing day episode as well. I'm Wes Mitchell here with Chris Clark, going to be breaking down this South Carolina recruiting class and uh, maybe some stuff you've already heard, but hopefully we'll have some stuff you haven't heard as well. Um, I don't know if we'll hit on every single guy, but certainly want to give y'all both a broad overview and some details on these individuals that South Carolina has added to their class. Uh, Officially um, signing most of their guys yesterday, still a couple of targets out there. Um, one commitment that they're, they're waiting to get through some, what is essentially some logistics and a paperwork situation there, you would say, with, uh, Xavier Hardy. But, uh, for the most part, everything going as planned for South Carolina on Wednesday, as we talked about all yesterday, Chris. Um, they got their fireworks out of the way on Tuesday for, uh, big, uh, I guess, gets there as far as guys going public. And then, um, Once that happened, I think everybody in the ops building over there, Chris, was probably actually hoping for a pretty quiet Wednesday because at that point, any surprises were probably going to be not of the positive variety for South Carolina. So uh, they got their big news out of the way on Tuesday, and then uh, no surprises on Wednesday, I think, a successful day.
1: Yeah, man, I mean, it's good to have, in some cases, some drama on signing day, some excitement, but we have seen the negative side of that as well. You can have the drama of losing a bunch of prospects. Notre Dame, man, they got kind of Oregon and some other schools poached Notre Dame um, throughout the recruiting cycle and certainly in this cycle as well. And so as it ended up, you know, South Carolina had a pretty smooth signing day overall. Uh, the hay was largely in the barn um, by Wednesday, by signing day. I think, Wes, the thing that there's maybe one storm, I guess, that they kind of had to weather, and that was just in the early morning hours, making sure that Vicari Swain, you know, was going to be good to go after visiting Colorado, picking up an offer from them. Uh, but for the most part, like you said, the the four – commitments that went public on Tuesday night from, you know, McKeska, Trey Knox, Bob Lottie, those really helped out in terms of just kind of knowing what you were dealing with going into signing day. And it was, it was a pretty smooth process, but still one that was nonetheless exciting for the folks in the football office and for Gamecock fans.
0: Definitely. Before we go any farther, I want to tell you about our presenting sponsor It is our buddy Clint Hammond. You may see
1: uh, some new colors,
0: a new logo there, uh, Clint. And the entire mortgage network team um, is now with Movement Mortgage. Uh, What does that mean for you? Really nothing if you have done business with Clint in the past, or hope, uh, you know, hopefully you'll do some business with them in the future. Uh, Still the same great team, different logo, um, but uh, we're still updating our graphics for you guys uh, that you'll see throughout every single show. But as you can see on your screen right now, the NMLS number is still 71597. The phone number is still 803-422-6797, and you can still go to ClintHammond.com. Email address is now different. It's Clint.Hammond at Movement.com. But again, if you're in the market for a new home, maybe you want to go into the new year with a uh, exciting big purchase for you and your family, Clint uh, will help you sort of navigate what can be a little bit of a crazy housing market and talk you through the interest rates and and all those things I've done. Lots of business with Clint. He's not only a a great mortgage guy, but a great friend and a great supporter of both GC Live and Gamecock Central. So, Chris, um, I don't know, man. We've talked quite a bit about him already, but let's let's start with Pup Howard just because I think you kind of have to. Very fitting that he was the first guy to send in his letter of intent. Very fitting that he's really the first guy to arrive on campus because he, uh, you know, has taken advantage of this rule that if you are already complete, I guess, and pretty much – I don't know the details, but if you're pretty much done with everything at your school, you can actually go ahead and practice with your future team. And, uh, you know, Beamer – we knew that was happening, but Beamer confirmed that he has been practicing with South Carolina. He also confirmed that um, – He is the prospect that Beamer referenced, I guess, a week ago when he said that a a recruit texted him and said, we need guys that will die for the university. little, little little strong there, pup, but certainly I I think, Chris, um, a, a future fan favorite, maybe already a fan favorite, and a future leader of this football program.
1: Yeah, team captain type, right? And I think the odds of us seeing Grayson Howard on the field as a true freshman next season pretty high, uh, just because he's a really talented kid. But it's also a position of need. Um, South Carolina losing two senior linebackers, there'll be kind of some openness there, Wes, in terms of who are your starters going to be. You know, what's your health situation look like? What's your depth situation look like? Howard's a guy that I think will have a chance to make an impact on special teams uh, and at the linebacker position with some level of snaps. We'll see how that goes next season. But, yeah, man, his demeanor, he's been uh, really helping this recruiting class, Dante Reno from 2024, Grayson Howard from 2023. They've kind of led the charge on recruiting guys. Uh, He was a highly touted prospect. After he committed to South Carolina, he continued having – other programs, Florida and Auburn, namely, coming after him, but but never really wavered in his commitment to South Carolina. And, uh, you know, when, when Beamer said that during his college show, I literally was like, that has got to be pup-powered. And so not, not surprising that it was him. He has been uh, – he is definitely bleeding the garnet in black already
0: yeah so uh, Chris from a, a film standpoint man um, what what do you see when you see pup I mean I, I think you talked about the off the field the leadership but this is sort of the rare combination of the guy that that has almost all the skill set you're looking for as far as what he does defensively what he does on the field but then also like we said the the off the field as well and I mean that that probably fits what you're looking for like there's some carryover there at that position where, you know, I I think communication is key, instincts, having an understanding of your defense and what you're trying to do, kind of the big picture of it can be very, very important at the linebacker position. And this is a guy that's just filled up the stat sheet, big-time offer list. Everybody – I want to say there's still a recruiting service that has him as a three-star, which is uh, mind-boggling to me. But for the most part, a consensus – Uh, An average four-star as far as the uh, on-three consensus. And uh, most of the sites do have him as a four-star.
1: Yeah, and huge, you know, production. And so when you were talking about, you know, what stands out on the film, Wes, I mean, first of all, you know, you look at the size for Howard. And so sometimes you'll get high school linebackers that are just super productive, but you wonder from a size standpoint, okay, are they going to be able to hold up? Um at the SEC level with him, you know, you look at him and he's 6'3", and he's not overly big right now. What is he, 210, 215, something like that. But he's certainly got the frame to add a lot more good weight, continue getting bigger, continue getting stronger. Uh, Really smart kid. I think there's positional versatility there, um, whether you play him inside or play outside. Um, He's athletic enough to cover guys. He's certainly a physical player to go – you know, be able to tackle guys in the box, be able to go and take on blocks. And then you look at the production, Wes. I mean, sure, you want to have measurables. But if you have measurables plus proven production, that really uh, makes you think and, – and a guy with a great work ethic, that really gives you a blend to where you feel like the, the ceiling is high and the floor, you know, there's not a super low floor. The floor is still very high on this guy as well. So, I mean, you look at his senior season – Looking over his stats right now, almost an unbelievable number, kind of like Nicky Minwari as a senior, Wes. 188 total tackles as a senior uh, for Grayson Howard for his high school team. Also includes five sacks, um, five pass breakups, forced fumble, three fumble recoveries. So, yeah, I mean, the the, the production doesn't lie. The tape doesn't lie on this guy.
0: Who do you want to talk about next, Chris? I, uh, you know, we, we did a little Twitter space yesterday. We already did talk about some of these guys, but I know there yeah. are a lot of folks that um, maybe didn't catch it. And, um, you know, we, we want to go to a little more detail. Y'all should be able to see if you're on the video version. Um, some Cheetos fried chicken, which is very interesting, but also the commit list. Chris, Um. I'll let you pick, man. Who do you want to talk about next?
1: I kind of want to talk about Vikari Swain a little bit because, you know, this is a guy, you pointed this out, Wes, on three as a service is much higher on Swain than the rest of the industry. And in fact, in on three's own rankings, he is, is this accurate? He is the highest ranked signee in the class using not yeah. the consensus rankings that averages all four major recruiting services. That honor, I believe, goes to Markey Anderson for the on three consensus, but just the individual on three rankings, their scouts extremely high on Bakari Swain and Wes. I've talked to a few folks who believe that Swain, even though he's still decently ranked in terms of the on three consensus, the average uh, that believe he is probably the most underrated guy in the class and maybe one of the best players overall in the class. Um, he he did pick up a little bit more, I guess, fanfare. There was a little bit more conversation about him as signing day approached because of the fact that Deion Sanders extended an offer at Colorado and he took a visit out there and there were some kind of tense moments. But I think regardless of that man, I think you, you know, turn on the tape of Vicari Swain. Uh, before Colorado got involved, and this is a guy that's a very intriguing prospect. He played in all three phases in high school. South Carolina seems to have him on the board as a defensive back, and I think he's got a lot of upside there because this is a kid that's 6'1", 180, can really run. He kind of fits the bill of what Torrey and Gray looks for with measurables for a DB. But this is a guy that's also dangerous with the football in his hands, and uh, someone that's had good production there the last couple years of his high school career. I'm even more intrigued by him, Wes, as a wide receiver because of his skills in the open field with the ball in his hands. But either way you slice it, I think Kari Swain is a guy that has a chance to make, I think, an impact on this team in the long term for sure, maybe in the short term.
0: And uh, as you said, uh, not really any drama to signing, Dave. There was sort of, especially maybe early in the day, that little kind of um, and really, kind of more like Tuesday. I, I guess on Tuesday, we we're starting to hear, um, you know, he was expected to sign with South Carolina. There were some, you know, there were some national stuff that that Colorado maybe still felt decent about their chances to flip him. But for the most part, it felt like there was confidence, um, you know, on the South Carolina side uh, going into signing day. and then certainly, you know, as the as the day went on, they very clearly um, had been giving had been given indication if not already been given the letter of intent there and leading up to the, it wasn't really, I don't know if you watched it, Chris, it wasn't even really like an announcement. It was kind of like, all right, this was, it wasn't like they were building drama. It wasn't like there were hats on the table again. Um, The, uh, the person beside Vicari had a Gamecock hat on, Vicari had a Gamecock hat on and then, the person sort of narrating a little bit, uh, I believe, was his mother. And she was like, all right, you know, where are you going? And uh, he's like, uh, you already know South Carolina. So it was kind of um, – it was if, if you call that drama, that was very low-key drama as far as signing days go. And I, I'll tell you what, not that you can ever completely just kind of judge somebody based on stuff like this, but just watching the stream – it, it was a very just informal, you know, a couple of different people uh, in his life from family members to folks he was involved with in the church, uh, all sort of spoke. And Vacari was a very just yes, uh, you know, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Just very low key, just kind of um, polite um, person off the field. You look at him on the field there's a little bit of of mean streak on the field I think man there's some physicality smooth runner beautiful play here um th- there th- there's going to be some long discussion I think about that very question about where does he play um early on you know it's it's been a lot of Torian Gray involved here I think there's even a discussion of safety versus corner even if he's on the defensive side, however, I think this this is one of those guys. If Steve's if Steve Spurrier was the coach, he would not last long on the defensive side.
1: Yeah. However,
0: you know he could be one of these elite lockdown has everything cornerbacks potentially.
1: Yeah, and I mean, dude, that 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 just shows you how convicted I am about his receiver skills. If when I want to take anybody and make them a receiver instead of a corner. I mean, I remember watching Shy Smith at Carolina's camp and wanting to make him a corner, and he still could have been a really good one, in my opinion. But he was obviously really, really good at wide receiver. But yeah, man, I mean, th- this is a guy that, again, he just he, – like athletically, he just checks so many boxes. But the explosive movements, I, I think on three scouting report, I need to pull up on Bakari Swain right now because – It's a really good one. Um, Maybe not quite as good as Xavion Hardy. Uh, I think the first sentence in uh, Xavion Hardy's on three scouting report is raw and athletic monster. That's a a great scouting report lingo. But here's what the high school scouting summary from on three says about Bakari Swain. One of the rarest athletes in the country whose movements are both silky and explosive, elite fluidity and hip looseness. Big-time scouting terms there, Wes. They didn't use oily hips, but uh, hip fluidity. And and that right there shows you, you know, just like you're saying, the, the traits that could make him a great corner. He's got size and length that Torian Gray likes. He can run in the open field. He can flip his hips. Like, those things tend to make you a really good corner. But you turn on the film, you see him with the ball in his hands, I look at it, and I think this is a guy that if he played receiver, he might be the best receiver in this particular recruiting class instantly, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I I think – and you you mean for South Carolina?
1: Yeah, not in the country.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. Just got to clarify.
1: Higher rank – yeah, yeah, yeah. In this class for South Carolina. Yeah, that's a good clarification point. Somebody yeah. was queuing up a tweet saying that I said Bakari Swain was the best receiver in the country.
0: Well, hey, if he ends up being a star, then uh, it's the type of thing you could always just pull up and...
1: Yeah, just make it up.
0: Make make it look like you, you were on this from the very beginning. But, but yeah, a, as you said, man, um, and as I pointed out on Twitter, number 104 player in the country, according to ON3. And so South Ghana has two guys that if you look at own Three's rankings, not the consensus, the own three analysts ranking that are rated as a 93, which is a four-star guy within the four-star window, you have the different ratings and they have two guys that are 93s, Markey Anderson and Vakari Swain. Um, Vakari just barely, um let's see, where did it go? Uh, so yeah, Vakari 104 in the country, according to On three, Marquee 119 in the country according to on three. So Vicari um, edging out Markey Anderson there at Dorman, who um Dor- or excuse me, Marquee is more of your consensus guy. Like most of the industry has him in a similar place. And you sort of look at Vicari. Now, 24-7 has kind of caught up on the thinking on Vacari. They have him as a pretty high four-star as well, number 167 in the country. It's the other two that are still sort of out on him and have him as a three-star. So um, we'll certainly see. We'll find out on the field. But I-, I think Carolina, incredibly happy to hold on to him. And he is just sort of – you've seen the stock sort of steadily go up for Vacari as the process has developed. Um, let's talk about DJ Braswell, man. I like that one. Four-star kid. Hasn't gotten four-star attention, I feel like, as far mm-hmm. as the fan base, as far as maybe, maybe even when he committed. I mean, he was a guy who I, I think sort of we saw him go move up the South Carolina board, it felt like. Uh, they really started targeting him a good bit harder, I think, after they had that spring in person evaluation um look at him. And he he's a guy that has great track numbers. But when I when I look at his film, and I'm gonna pull it up here in a second, but when I look at DJ Braswell's film, I don't necessarily think track guy. And I, I mean that as a compliment. I I think he has running back skill set. Like this is not someone who is just outrunning everybody at the high school level. He looks to me like someone that plays with some physicality, can break tackles, has vision to him, but then also has the opportunity to hit the home run ball as well because he has track verified speed. But to me, there's a big difference between track guy playing football versus football player who also is successful on the track.
1: That's right. Yeah, there's some guys where you see the track guy playing football and he's, you know, upright. He looks like he's running a 100 meter dash, right? Well, Braswell Braswell can do that in the 2A state title. I believe that was earlier in 2022 in the spring. uh, He won the state championship in the 100 and the 200 meter dash. So he can do that. But he also is a running back with speed. The, The reasons you mentioned there, vision you know, ability to break some tackles, run with some power, has good size and body composition, but he, he does have the speed to break into the open field. So, yeah, I think this is kind of an underrated get, you know, a four-star guy pretty solidly, right, uh, in the consensus, but maybe hasn't gotten as much love as he should, which is a little bit surprising given when you look now at South Carolina's roster, losing Marshawn Lloyd, Christian Beale Smith. This is his final year. Dante Miller, who they brought in, another, you know, final year guy on the South Carolina roster. So there's very much, I mean, I mentioned at linebacker, the kind of openness for lack of a better term, that they have on the roster. Same deal here. And there'll be some guys on the current roster that have an opportunity. There'll be a transfer or two that have an opportunity, but also a guy like Braswell. And so a good bit to like here on film, Wes, with I think he's a he's a pretty explosive runner, but also, you know, a pure running back.
0: Yeah, did you see that play that just, and I know yeah. if you're listening on the podcast, um, you can't see what we're talking about, but um, certain things that you only get away with at high school football that you won't get in college, but just the, the display here of this wasn't just that I'm going to reverse field because I'm faster than everybody play. This is I'm going to stiff arm like two guys, point out uh, a block for the guys in front of me, then use my speed to get to the corner and, and make a big play. And this this is junior film. I have not seen his senior tape. I tried to find some. He has some game-by-game tape on Huddle, but has not uploaded the, the full. And, and he maybe won't. I see a lot of seniors who just already committed and they sign and they, they don't really feel any need. But I would actually love to see, Chris, what his senior film – looks yeah. like um to see what a jump is and I just I didn't want to go game by game on here because it would be very disjointed trying to do it that way for the show. Um let's see man who have we not talked about a ton um, I, I've got one.
1: all right what if you I, got I may throw in one I feel like he's okay. deserving of a shout out. I don't feel like we've talked about Desmond Yumiozulu quite enough in my opinion. Another highly ranked guy. Here, here's something, Wes, a little nugget that Gamecock fans will like. Um, non-portal guys, so high school or junior college, I believe this number is accurate. Seven of the top nine commitments in terms of ranking are offensive or defensive linemen. Really good stat for Gamecock fans. They will surely like that. But Desmond yumi pretty highly ranked guy. Uh, on three has him as a 90 you see, uh, if you are on the video podcast, the consensus rating there at ninety two point four four, so uh, a consensus four star guy, and I think he does have some senior film. West, I don't know if you want to try to cue that up, but I believe he dropped a senior highlight tape. This is a guy that I like a lot. Um, <clears throat> had a you see there the production, fourteen sacks this season, played on a really good Flowers team, and. This is someone that has a six foot six, six five, six six legitimate frame. Um, he can add more weight. He still, you know, you can tell needs to add some more bulk. But man, I mean, he's quick. Um, he can hold the edge. He's a great kid. Hard works extremely hard. A lot to like about him, and I think um, even from junior to senior season a good bit of on-field growth for Desmond yumi Zulu. That's another position, West, where you look at potential for early playing time. And I think this is someone that is going to bring that. He's also, Wes, been really big quietly, more quietly than, say, a pup powered on the recruiting trail. Very helpful during the tree babalade saga. Those two guys are close, um, helped out there. And he's already helping to recruit some 2024 talents from the DMV, like Dylan Stewart from Friendship Academy and like Braden Lee, who is his teammate and one of the top defensive backs in the country.
0: Yeah. And I believe I saw he was very quickly already tweeting those very guys uh, trying to get the 2024 class rolling up there uh, soon after he signed with South Carolina on Wednesday. And, You know, I I think, man, you look like you just said. You got Montague-Rames and uh, Desmond both, I I think, are future kind of bookends to each other for South Carolina. You could very easily see a situation where they are your two future starters at that edge position. But even next year, South Carolina, of course, will have Jordan Birch back. They're trying to get um, Jordan Strong an additional year of eligibility. That's what he wants to do, it appears. And those will be your two starters. However, I think plenty of room, really, frankly, for both those guys, if they come in and do what uh, they need to do to to actually potentially be your two backups. Um, not that they're going to be given that. You obviously, you know, you'll have, uh, what, Terrell Dawkins back healthy, uh, you know, you would hope. You have uh, Brian Thomas Jr. in the mix. Tonka Hemingway can play inside and outside, but – um every opportunity in the world for both of these guys to come back or to come in, I should say, and help South Carolina right away. And this really quietly was a huge position of need. Chris, when you look at, I mean, Jordan Burch next season, he's a senior. Jordan Strong is a hundredth year senior. So, you know, I I think – It's not really even about 2023 necessarily. There was a huge need for them to start to kind of get a feel for what this depth chart is going to look like moving forward. They kind of struck out at the edge spot in the previous class as far as high school guys go. Really couldn't have found two better, in my opinion, as far as being able to keep your in-state guy at home and then going up to that DMV area that has quickly become very important for South Carolina.
1: Yeah, massively important to – to get a couple of top flight guys there who can maybe help you early and then be really good players long-term. And, and you're right. They they might get thrown in there, kind of thrown in the fire next year. And you mentioned the upperclassmen that USC has, but also, you know, losing Gilbert Edmund to the portal, a guy who is a really good player for USC this year and going from a guy that was probably going to be a part-time player to, okay, now you're a starter. And he responded, uh, USC, thought that he developed a lot in the offseason. It turns out he did. Unfortunately, they lost him to the portal, but that just kind of uh, amplified their need in this class for immediate help, Wes. And I think they'll need to continue stacking those classes. There are a couple more good options from the DMV that they're recruiting and other places at the edge position. Sterling Lucas has done a really good job there. But but this is one of those instances, Wes, where you mentioned striking out in 2022 you know, I mean, Jay Shambara. Not to throw salt in that wound, that was a tough deal. Uh, they lost the kid to Tennessee uh, out of Charlotte that they thought they'd have a good shot with during the later signing period. He ended up signing early, so there were some situations there that kind of hurt their depth, their ability to get some guys in the pipeline that maybe wouldn't have played a lot this season, but could have been in the program developing. So. I, I expect that Rames Yumi Azulu, just like you said, man, I totally agree with you. Every opportunity to to come in and and be able to have a chance to contribute as freshmen,
0: and it, it sort of also speaks a little bit, I think, man, to the roller coaster nature of just following college football in general, and how how about what would you say a week, probably two weeks ago, uh, the. The sky was falling again, and the de- <laughs> the, uh, the pipeline to the DMV, I heard, was dead. You know, you Dried had Marshawn leaves, and Big Tree decommits, and the pipeline was over. It was just um, blocked off, not happening. And um, lo and behold, South Carolina holds on to all their other guys. Gets Big Tree back into the mix, and and I, I don't know if you can downplay that at all, man. I, I think getting a true offensive tackle with athleticism back into this class, somebody they were counting on, you know, to come in and, and be able to play, I think, relatively early in his career when you just look at the traits. I mean, the pure size here, the ability to move his feet, um, the intelligence, I mean, has a lot of what you're looking for. In an SEC offensive lineman, really this whole group does as far as their size, athleticism, ease of movement, uh, being light on their feet. But, you know, we can talk about, and we have, we've talked about it from a con- context of the O-line, but from a context of continuing that DMV path for Carolina, we know in-state's always going to be important. And I think we're going to be talking all offseason. They've really situated themselves well for 2024 in-state, I think. Mm-hmm. But how about the potential of continuing what they've done the last couple of years in the DMV into signing day for February, into 2024? There were some interesting comments from Shane Beamer on Wednesday. Yeah. A couple of them directly at one Nick Harbour. And yep. then one in particular when he just happened to point out that a lot of these guys want to play in front of a lot of fans.
1: That's right. Yep. Some of the uh, Maryland stadium photos that have been circulating lately, I'm sure Beamer saw those and probably enjoyed those. And, you know, even when he was getting, it was apparent, he was going to be asked about recruiting against Maryland. He kind of was laughing and uh, probably had some of that kind of queued up and ready was. but Look, this is the DMV recruiting thing. This is an area in which, like, we, we talk about the notion of South Carolina needing to find an edge or advantage in some areas because they don't have the trophy case, right? Of uh, these other schools. They don't, they're not the University of Georgia where they have a massive group of in state talent, not just in Atlanta, but throughout the state of Georgia. And they're, the University of Georgia with all this tradition, all these trophies, et cetera. That's just one example. And so you got to find an edge as you're building the first few years of your program. You got to go out and find, you know, sign some prospects that maybe you don't have business signing at first, but you got to find an edge in order to get those guys. And so the DMV represents kind of, to me, a unique opportunity for South Carolina. You know, if, you, if South Carolina goes out and offers a guy from the state of Georgia that's a really good player, you know, the hope has to be that they can sign that player. I mean, they need to be able to do that at times. But, you know, you're not going to do that probably on a consistent basis, Wes, because now you're battling Georgia for that kid. You're also battling all the other schools in the SEC and beyond and all the national powers that are going to come in and recruit a guy from Georgia. If you've got a top five, 10 player in Georgia, Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Ohio state, Clemson, everybody's going to have offered him and it can be tougher. When you go to the DMV, those same schools might've offered a guy, but South Carolina has now a geographic advantage versus those other schools. And Shane Beamer's pointed out that for a lot of those guys that want to play SEC football in Great environments, full stadiums. South Carolina is the closest SEC school to uh, those high schools. And so that can create a little bit of an advantage for you. Then you factor in that Shane Beamer himself has a lot of ties in that region. Torian Gray has ties in that region. Uh, Sterling Lucas coach with the Ravens, and he's done a great job with defensive linemen in that area. Pete Limbo, of course, has ties – in Philly, New York. So not DMV, but more up in the Northeast. So very intriguing opportunities for certain sets of guys and maybe an area where South Carolina can create an advantage for itself given all those factors.
0: Yeah, and they will certainly try to continue that for 2024, 2025. And we are starting to see something Beamer alluded to and something we have talked about, reported, commented on, however you want to say it for quite some time, they are finally at a point where they have been at South Carolina long enough to where you are able to go through the entire recruiting process with the prospect. You're not starting late. Uh, you know, when you first get there, a lot yeah. of times you may have some prior relationships, but in some cases, especially if you're at a new place where, um, you know, you're in a different part of the country, you are trying to build two and three year relationships in, a couple of months or even a couple of weeks when, when Beamer first got to South Carolina. So uh, I think now you're starting to see the advantage of having those inroads, but not just in the DMV, but throughout everywhere South Carolina recruits actually being able to have some fairly long-standing relationships with these prospects, their coaches, their families, and uh, really all the above. So it's starting to pay off and I I think it'll continue for 2024. Uh, Let's see. I, Here's a guy, Chris, that you know I've I've been high on, and I don't want to just continue to repeat myself on it, but Cam Sandlin, and in general, Chris, I like when quarterbacks make the move to another position, um, if it's a willing move, and I, I think we've seen that work out for South Carolina. Cam Sandler going to make the move to tight end, but also still going to be sort of a wildcat option. He's played a ton of – he's a very successful quarterback at the high school level, plays the game of physicality, toughness, is a team-first guy, is a leadership type. We we saw him walking around at Carolina's camp, physically imposing guy. And I just – I've sort of had him circled in my mind as being someone I think will help this program. Like, I don't know, you know, how, how what is the upside of like, he, he could end up being a great player. Like, I'm not saying he, he won't, but I'm saying at the very least, I think Cam Sandlin will be a big time contributor for South Carolina during his career. will be a special teams guy during his career. And, He, to me, is the type of player, person, skill set, mindset that you want to stack your program with, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, really versatile performer, just like his size, the fact that, like you pointed out, he plays high school quarterback. I think athletically, he could do a lot of things for you. This is another guy, Wes, I've been harping on this a lot lately, but when you get these tight end H-back type of bodies, these can be really good special teams players for you. We saw that. You, you see that all throughout college football. You see it in South Carolina. But I think it was highlighted by Pete Limbo and just how good they were on special teams. You look at a lot of their best performers, there were some tight ends in that group. So Sandlin with his size, his ability to run, the athleticism, I think he could factor in on special teams pretty early. Uh, he even mentioned that during his official visit, he had a chance to meet with Dowell Loggins. Dowell Loggins has talked with him about continuing, you know, to get back there and maybe play some Wildcat quarterback every then, every now and then. This is a guy that obviously can throw the football um, and then can run for you. You know, when South Carolina offered him, I think that was after Jody Wright joined the staff, right? Wes, he's got obviously a lot of ties in the state of Alabama. Spent time. On Alabama's recruiting staff, so built a lot of relationships there. And one thing that I heard that, you know, kept coming back to uh, Cameron Sandlin in recruiting circles was a lot of the teams that played against Aniston this year just constantly said, man, this guy's just a really, really good football player. You know, he, he can just do a lot, great competitor, versatile skill set. And so when you hear things like that from coaches that play against these guys, I think that can be intriguing for these college football staff. So I'm with you. Really, really interesting player in this class.
0: Yeah, and you can always try to pick out the guys that, um, you know, just when, when the local buzz, and, and I, I love that point, Chris, when the local buzz among opponents is that oh. it, it's not oh. foolproof, but it's a pretty good indicator. Like it's a pretty strong yeah. indicator, I think one of the best examples of that was locally a guy like Debo Samuel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah.
0: Pharaoh Cooper as well. I I think, um, Pharaoh was a guy that he ended up being a four star, I think on some services, but uh, you know, essentially for most of the process was not a guy with a great ranking by his name, but you just kept hearing, uh, you know, Hey, this, this guy crushed us. And with Debo, I still remember, uh, you know, one of my buddies who is a defensive coordinator is now a head coach saying that's the most difficult guy to game plan for I have ever faced as an opponent. And when you hear that, that means something because you're you're taking out that element of all coaches, all good coaches are going to look out for their guy. Like they're going to tell you the positives, right? Like they're going to they're going to try to look out for their guy for the most part. But when the opponents keep bragging on a player or prospect, then. Uh, in my opinion, that certainly says something. Um, all right, so we we could do this all day, but uh, we don't have all day, so <laughs> we are we're kind of running out of time to an extent. Um, you know who else doesn't get talked about enough, and it's interestingly enough in the same room is McKeska. Yeah, like, car Carolina is very. Very high on this guy. And um, I I tweeted this out, I guess, on Tuesday, Chris, that I remember talking to McKeska when he was offered by South Carolina, offered by Jody Wright. And it was like literally the same day Jody Wright started at South Carolina. And, um, you know, so I, I think he was the first tight end offer for Jody Wright in Columbia, and um, I, I I remembered that, and I think it, it had to be right because they both co-signed it because they both retweeted it. So um, this was one that kind of went full, sor- full circle a little bit in that, at least from a South Carolina standpoint, he was a first target for Jody. Carolina, I think, felt pretty good at some points in there. Reed commits to Clemson. He quickly, from what I heard, very quickly sort of, I think, realized that wasn't the spot for him. Decommits, ends up at Miami, and then, of course, flips to South Carolina, which we expected after the weekend. But it's kind of one of these do-it-all tight ends, man. I I think you look at Cam. He's probably a little bit more of an H-back type, not quite as tall. You look at Reed, more of a traditional, could be in-line, but one of those inline guys who also can catch the football.
1: Yeah, the size there, 6'6", 230, with room to continue to grow. And, um, you know, you just look at how his high school program used him. They did put him in kind of that wing-type position where they can move him across the formation as a blocker or to go catch passes, play action. Um, But he's someone that I think is kind of that – you think of kind of a a dual threat tight end, right? He's not going to be at, you know, the most dynamic pass catcher in the world, but he certainly has receiver skills. I mean, you just watch his film. Um, He can run for a guy his size. He can catch the football. And then also he's big enough to hold up, you know, in in line as a blocker. He can, you know, like I, I mentioned, moving across the formation, you see they do that a lot at the high school level in the run game, uh, being able to, you know, help out on defensive ends, and then being able to go out like he does here on this out route, you know, and catch passes, get some positive yards. So a guy that, you know, from a skill set and a size standpoint can be kind of a, a true quote unquote tight end.
0: Yeah, man. Out, he's out here mashing people in the tight end or in the the run game, I should say. And Not always easy to find that these days, I think. A a lot of high school tight ends are either just pure, like basically an offensive lineman playing tight end, or they are more like a a receiver playing tight end, and they don't really like the idea of blocking. I I think with Reed, you uh, you get the best of both worlds. And, you know, with them taking some transfers, you – aren't going to have to put him in a spot where you say, look, you got to go do this against SEC competition as a true freshman. But I think you also look at the transfers they've taken particularly, and not that they're sort of the same skill set, but you look at Trey Knox, one year of eligibility, uh, Josh Simon, who uh, has yet to um, commit to South Carolina, but we think the Gamecocks are in great shape there. He's got two years of eligibility left, and they've really been able to stagger the different um, eligibilities on this depth chart. So you look at it, you know, in general, you might be like, man, they've taken a bunch of tight ends, but for one, they had to fill a bunch of spots for two. They've done a really good job of spacing out when these guys will be needed and when these guys will sort of leave the program. So I, I still think these freshmen are going to have an opportunity to play relatively early in their careers, even if it's not a situation where they're just forced to play in 2023.
1: Yeah, I mean, different skill sets. I mean, you could say out of the three freshmen that McKeska and Connor Cox are probably, you know, more similar to each other. I think Connor Cox, West may be the most advanced blocker. McKeska's kind of your true two-way guy. Cam Sandlin's more of your H-back, like pass catcher, guy you can play some at quarterback if you want in, in certain packages. And then you look at the guys, you know – obviously those three have a full slate of eligibility. Then you look at the others, you know, that they, uh, will be bringing in as transfers or could be bringing in as transfers. So Nick Elksness, uh, you know, who's a blocking type tight end who can catch some passes for you. He has what three years West. Then you look at Trey Knox. He's got one year, Josh Simon from Western Kentucky who played in a bowl game last night. If he follows through and ends up at South Carolina, like we think he would have two years. And so, uh, just kind of a wide variety in a room that's going to be empty next year. Really, they're going to be able to take this room and replace it with what you hope to have, which is some good young players, freshmen in the hopper, and then a variety of guys that all have collegiate experience and some different skill sets. So I think a really good job building the tight end room back up through the transfer portal for South Carolina.
0: Yeah, they, they flipped that thing in a hurry, man. So uh, kudos to Jody Wright and the staff. Did you did you watch any of that bowl game yesterday with Western Kentucky?
1: I watched just a little bit of it. Um, one of the first, I think, the first play I saw was a ball intended for Josh Simon that just got tipped. I think statistically, he didn't have a huge game. Wes, I think he had two catches for 15 yards, but just watching him move and how they used him, um, a guy that I, I think could help out a good bit. Again, I'll go back to this special teams. And then he's certainly proven his ability as a pass catcher. He's probably not going to be a guy that you ask to go out there and mash people in the run game like you alluded to earlier. Uh, But in terms of pass catching ability, his first two years at Western Kentucky, 30 catches each in those years, and he's Western Kentucky's all-time receptions leader in terms of touchdowns at the tight end position. So he has some proven production in the college game catching the football
0: yeah, he's carved out a nice career out there, man, and I I love the idea from the portal of taking productive guys at a quote unquote lower level that have proven themselves and that have just had an opportunity to mature both physically, you know, and mentally, and, and bringing them in. And you know, I think this is a guy that if he does pick South Carolina, the opportunity to come back home is something that you know I don't think is lost on him. So uh, you know, these guys really. I think appreciate those opportunities. And I think you can win a lot of games by sort of filling out your roster with uh, with, with players that fit that mold. Um, we're almost out of time here, but not quite. Uh, before we move a little bit further, going to tell you all about our friends at Liberty Tax, 803-462-5576. Three convenient locations right here in the Columbia area. One is actually in Columbia. One is in Irmo. One is in Lexington. Tax season right around the corner. You might want to give those guys a call to go ahead and try to get yourself in a position. There might be some money moves you can make before tax season is here, before the end of the year. And uh, then, of course, once tax season hits us, you uh, are certainly going to want a professional, local professionals to help you through that process. We certainly appreciate Larry and the fine folks at Liberty Tax for uh, being a sponsor here of GC Live. Liberty Tax is a brighter way to do your taxes. All right, Chris.
1: One more person. <laughs> all right. Who's it gonna be? I think you should get to pick. I feel like i am like picking too many people here.
0: Hmm. All right. All right. Y'all give me one second.
1: Let's yeah, I had one in mind if you if you if you needed one, but
0: how about this? You pick one and I'll pick one.
1: I was gonna go Elijah Davis. Okay. Um, and, and don't have to spend a lot of time on it. But Elijah Davis, you know, the, the selling point for the South Carolina staff to him was, in addition to the fact that he's a good prospect, in-state guy, you know, Zach Pickens is leaving. Um, South Carolina has, from a numbers standpoint, they're situated well at tackle, but they'll be looking for, you know, a guy to replace Pickens. And that could be somebody from the current roster, but – Uh, Elijah Davis, they've they've sold him on the ability to come in and potentially play early. So this is a guy that, you know, 6'4", 300, really good athleticism, Wes. Um, In high school, we knew that he would have some academic work to do, but seeing him in a camp setting kind of looks at, okay, this, this guy's got a chance. Went to JUCO, continued developing, amassed a really nice offer list for himself. I think he is one to keep a close eye on. Um, at South Carolina in year
0: one. Definitely, man. Uh, I will say this is going to be an important offseason for him. Listed at 266 in the official South Carolina roster that they put out among the signees. So I don't know exactly how up-to-date that was, but certainly something to keep an eye on there um, as far as him putting on a little bit of weight and getting to that SEC defensive tackle, prototypical size. Um. Decisions, decisions. All right, let's talk about one of the most recent pickups, man, and and someone that really, uh, I think, is going to be interesting to see what the rankings look like once uh, there's another sort of wave of um, sort of changes to the rankings because last I saw, doesn't even have a ranking on a couple of services because word has just gotten out about him, and that's Tyshawn Russell, one of South Carolina's Uh, last commitments in the class, a playmaker. Beamer talked about him on Wednesday. had four touchdowns in his state championship game. Played a lot of cornerback in his career. Played a lot of uh, defense. Really transitioned to being more of an offensive player as a senior. Excelled on that side of of the ball. And, you know, I listen, Chris, when coaches – coaches are always going to say good things about their players that they signed. Like, they signed them for a reason. They're not going to go up there and be like, yeah, you know, we really are doubtful about this guy, but we just took him because we needed to take somebody. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. happen. No. But I, I listen to specifics when coaches talk about their players. Do they give you the just broad, generalized, uh, cliched comments, or do they give you more specific things? And with Beamer, when he's talking about Tyshawn Russell – he talked about how they were basically floored that this kid didn't blow up more after yeah. they offered him and how they were preparing themselves for the fact that, all right, you know, when the word gets out, we're going to have a battle on our hands. And, uh, you know, he was like, not, not that we're not willing to go to battle for a guy, but they were just preparing themselves mentally for that. And, it sort of felt like South Carolina thinks they pulled one um, on everybody else by landing this kid.
1: Maybe this is an instance, Wes, in which the kind of advent, the explosion of the transfer portal helps when you find a guy late because some schools may be so focused on, ah, let's take a guy proving college production out of the portal, which South Carolina has gone that route as well, Wes, instead of maybe taking a flyer on a high school guy. but. They watched Russell, really liked him. The, the thing that stands out about him, the, the kind of book on him that I keep hearing from people is he can really run, and you see that at the high school level. The production is pretty crazy for a guy, West that was in his first season as a full-time receiver. I know Shane Beamer pointed out that he was a really good defensive back, and this was his first full-time year playing receiver. He responded with a huge year, over 60 catches, a third of his catches went for touchdowns, 22 touchdown receptions as a senior, over 1,300 yards, had four touchdowns in the state title game, which is another statistic that was mentioned by Beamer. So a guy that looks, West to me like probably more of your prototypical slot type as opposed to an out- outside receiver, um, needs to get bigger, needs to get stronger. I mean, th- those are things you can probably say about most – high school receivers. He's not the biggest guy, but he can really run, and and that makes him a pretty intriguing prospect.
0: Definitely, man. All right, so that's going to do it for today. Actually, uh, we're going to hop off here because there is a press conference coming up. South Carolina Special Teams Coordinator Pete Limbo and South Carolina Defensive Coordinator Clayton White both speaking as we are hopping off here. If you're listening on the podcast, it doesn't really apply, but if you're watching us live right now, um, it is noon, and Limbo and Clayton White will both be speaking. So head on over to GamecockCentral.com or check out the Gamecock Central YouTube. Later on, we'll have uh, the archive of that video posted. But uh, the crew, the full football writing crew there on GC, will have plenty from that press conference for you as South Carolina closes in on almost one week to the Gator Bowl versus Notre Dame in Jacksonville, Florida. For Chris, I am Wes. Uh, Thank you to everybody who joined. Thank you for all the support. Um, We will see you on Friday. Lenoris Sellers announcement coming up. Gamecock Central. uh, Lord willing and connection at the high school willing. You always have to put that caveat in there. Connection willing. We will have some live coverage for you from the Lenoris Sellers signing at 1130 on Friday. So until then. Uh, y'all have a good one, and y'all stay warm. Wear your hoodies because apparently it's about to be freezing no matter where you are. So good luck with that. We'll see you very, very soon.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
1: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.